your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, March 11th, 2021. Your boy Q here with you as always. You know, you can always hit me up on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. Got a loaded show for you. The NFL offseason, it never is an offseason. The NFL is always cooking. They always find a way to stay in the news. And so, please believe it is active. It is on fire this season. And this offseason is going to be a lot different than normal, just because there's a lot of different elements in play. And we got a lot to talk about on today's show. Before I get into any of that, though, I do want to tell you today's show is being brought to you by rockauto.com. They got a great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, all at rockauto.com. So make sure you check them out. And while you're there, let them know Locked On Raiders Podcast sent you so they know I'm doing my job. Now, coming up on today's show, segment number three, calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line. Got a ton of them, man. Got a ton of calls. And it's like all of a sudden they just all popped up at the same time. I looked up and I was like, oh, I got a couple calls today. Then I looked up and I was like, whoa, got a ton of calls today. So they got a bunch, not going to be able to get to them all today, but we'll spread them out between the next two days. Make sure we finish off the week really, really strong. So that's coming up in segment number three. Then in segment number two, a name that a lot of people in Raider Nation will recognize and a lot of people in Raider Nation will probably roll their eyes when they hear the name and that's Michael Lombardi. He's a guy that worked with John Gruden on multiple locations, including with the Raiders and in Philadelphia, but he's been a GM, he's been a recruiting coordinator, he's been a scout, pro personnel director, director of player personnel, senior personnel executive. I mean, he's been just about everything in the front office. And so he's got a, you know, he does some writing for The Athletic. He also is on multiple podcasts, including the GM Shuffle podcast that he's a part of. And so I just heard a little bit, a little clip of what he had to say. And he was talking about John Gruden. And a lot of people have been talking about John Gruden lately because of all the misses, all the free agent misses, all the draft picks that you could say are still questionable. And so he had a a few seconds that he talked about it. And I, I didn't go into great detail on his podcast and listen to it. I know Michael Lombardi is still salty that uh, the Raiders fired him, so I get that. So he's not the most reliable source. But there's things that he say, or he said, and you'll hear it in segment number two, just a little bit of it, that I don't really disagree with, and I'll tell you why, but that'll come up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Like I said, the NFL offseason, there is no offseason. They never sleep, so there's a lot of news to get to. So off top, the biggest news that came out on uh, on Wednesday as far as the NFL was concerned was the salary cap. It's finally been determined. Uh, they said a couple weeks ago that the, the floor was going to be $180 million. Now they've let you know what the ceiling is. 182.5. That is the ceiling. That is the official salary cap for the 2021 NFL season. And you know, I said that the NFL offseason, there is none because it never sleeps. I'll tell you this, man. They told everyone a few weeks ago that $180 million was going to be the, the floor. I don't think it took two to three weeks to determine it was going to be $2.5 million more. You know what I mean? Like, they really stretched that out. I mean, they really act like they went through hoops and they did all kind of mad scientists or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they really worked a whole lot of numbers and 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 had their, their math nerd behind them or something crunching numbers to get to 182.5. That is $2.5 million more than what the floor was. You know what I mean? So anyway, it is what it is. That was just my little, not really beef, but just little side note. Like, come on, man. It really took you guys that long to, to come up with $2.5 million more. So either way, 
you look at it, that's what the salary cap is. In 2020, it was $198.2 million, so just about $16 million less than it was in uh, 2020. Now, I will say, no team in the league is actually working on a $182.5 million salary cap because teams have rollover salary cap space from the 2020 season. So when you look at the Raiders and what they have and then combine it with the $182.5 million, which is the salary cap ceiling, uh, the Raiders are sitting at $190 million, a little bit over $190 million, which creates about $33 million, a little bit over $33 million in free salary cap space. And of course, that can be increased. That does not include Gabe Jackson if he does officially get released. That does not include Marcus Mariota if he gets moved on from. It doesn't include Jalen Richard if he gets moved on from. The Raiders still could create more salary cap space. Really, they could be up there around $40 million, $45 million if they really want to. But right now, sitting here about 33, a little over $33 million, a little less than $34 million is what they have in salary cap space. Uh, also, the NFL announced on, uh, on Wednesday that May 3rd is the deadline for teams to exercise their fifth-year option on 2018 first-round draft picks. Well, in 2018, the Raiders only had one first-round draft pick, and that was Colton Miller, who is the left tackle. So very confident to say he'll get his fifth-year option picked up, and that's a little bit over $10 million. Uh, he's one of the first-round draft picks that you pretty much guarantee the Raiders are going to give a, a contract extension to, but that fifth-year option gives them the uh, you know it gives them a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of insurance that they can hold on to them if they want to. Also on Wednesday, the NFL awarded compensatory picks to teams uh, across the league, and the Raiders did not get any. And this is another year when the Raiders did not get any. And I had multiple people hit me up and was like, Q, I don't get it. Every year, the Raiders never get a compensatory pick. What in the hell is going on? Well, I'll, let me break it down because sometimes I just think that everyone knows exactly what it is. So uh, the the league gave out 36 compensatory draft picks for the 2021 NFL draft, and they awarded it to 17 teams. So 36 picks were awarded to 17 different teams total. And this is how it breaks down. Under the rules for the compensatory draft selection, a team losing more or better compensatory free agents than it acquires in the previous year is eligible to receive compensatory draft picks. So basically, the Raiders signed a lot of free agents going into the 2020 season. So they would have to lose more free agents or lose higher quality free agents to be able to receive a compensatory pick. So they go on to say the compensatory picks will be positioned within the third through sixth rounds based on the value of the compensatory free agents lost. Again, going back to the value of the free agent. Compensatory free agents are determined by a formula based on salary, playing time, and postseason honors. The formula was developed by the NFL Management Council. Not every free agent lost or signed by a club is covered by this formula. No club may receive more than four compensatory picks in any one year. So the Raiders didn't get any, and simply because they signed a bunch of free agents leading into the season, and they didn't lose that many. And that's a recurring theme with the Raiders. They don't really lose too many free agents. I always say it. A lot of guys don't go to other teams and just thrive. I mean, they have guys, there's guys here and there that, that do go to other teams, sign as free agents, and they play really well. But for the most part, the Raiders do more signing of free agents than they do a losing of free agents. And I'll tell you, the Raiders, you know, they, they don't get compensatory picks that often. The Jacksonville Jaguars never get them. They've gone 11 seasons in a row. 11. Two ones. 11 seasons in a row 
without getting a compensatory pick. They're always sign a free agent. So Raider Nation, don't feel too bad that the team doesn't get one this year because the Jacksonville Jaguars, they don't ever get any. Now, I'll tell you, the Dallas Cowboys, they actually received four compensatory picks. They received the most out of any team in the league. And again, only 17 teams received compensatory picks. And one other little thing I wanted to point out, one little nugget I wanted to point out for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast is the term voidable years. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because this year, the way that a lot of contracts are going to be worded because of the lower salary cap, a lot of teams are going to have lengthier contracts with voidable years years. That's something that you saw from uh, Big Ben, and the Steelers just did that. They gave him a contract, and uh, and they put a bunch of voidable years on it, so it basically turned into a one-year deal. But this is exactly what voidable years are, just in case you were wondering, and when you start seeing it, and you'll probably see a lot of it, not just with the Raiders and their contract situations, but throughout the course of the, the league and, and all free agency, you'll see a lot of voidable years. That's the key phrase, and voidable years is, is this. At their core, Voidable years are a resource teams use for salary cap purposes. Voidable years are tacked on to the end of the actual years of the contract and allow for a team to spread out a signing bonus over a longer period of time than the life of the contract. When a player has a signing bonus in his deal, it hits the salary cap evenly over the life of the contract, up to five years maximum, which allows teams to push larger cap hits into the future years when the cap is expected to be higher. Better days are ahead in 2022 and beyond. Voidable years allow signing bonus prorations to extend further. So just know that that's what it is. When you see all these, what does this mean in this contract? What the hell is this voidable year? That's exactly what it is. It's just a way to manipulate contracts and manipulate the salary cap, which every team has a guy who sits in the lab. He's like the mad scientist and he comes up with all this great creative writing and figures out a way to word things so it's it's more favorable for the team. That's what that's going to be and that's what you're going to see a lot of when free agency hits and we all know that a tampering period begins on Monday, March 15th and then obviously free agency really gets going on the 17th officially where players can officially sign their deal. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, you're going to hear what Michael Lombardi, just a little piece of what Michael Lombardi had to say about John Gruden. Not John Gruden, the head coach. John Gruden, the GM. So you'll hear that in segment number two, and I'll speak on it and, and tell you why I somewhat agree with what Lombardi has to say, even though everyone knows who's a member of Raider Nation knows Lombardi is not pro Raider. <laughs> He's not a pro Raider guy. He's a guy who, you know, is still angry about being fired by the team, but he brings up a good point and, and I'll explain it all coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, I want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And the first one is rockauto.com. They're a family business. They're serving auto part customers online for 20 years. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they've got everything. If you need carpet for your car, they got it. You need motor oils, maybe you just want to change your oil, and you can do that. Tail lamps, got them. Brake parts, got them. Engine parts, yep, got those too. Everything you need for your car, they have it. It's a few easy clicks away, and they're delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com, the catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can check out all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, Raider Nation, you choose the prices that you prefer. That's right, the prices at RockAuto.com, they're always super low, and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. While you're there, the only thing I ask you to do there's a little box that said, how'd you hear about us? Right, Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that I'm doing my job. Great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need at one spot. That's rockauto.com. 
And the other sponsor that I want to tell you about, well, I've been telling you about this one for quite a while, is Built Bar. But I'm excited to tell you about Built Bar Madness that's going on. I've been telling you that the the protein bar is the best tasting out there for a long time, right? They're amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're just great tasting protein bars, 100% covered in chocolate, soft, easy to chew. But now I'm telling you about the time to figure out which one is actually the best Built Bar and it's all part of Built Bar Madness. So today's matchup in the Built Bar Bracketology, Caramel Brownie versus Cherry Barcia. And that winner is going to take on Double Chocolate in the Sweetest 16 round. So Caramel Brownie versus Cherry Barcia. Winner takes on Double Chocolate in the Sweetest 16 round. On the other side of the bracket, Lemon Almond Cheesecake versus Carrot Cake with Walnuts. And the winner of that will take on Coconut Brownie Chunk in the Sweetest 16 round. So those are the ones you have to choose from. BuiltBar.com. Go there right now. Get your vote on or on social media at bar underscore built. Remember, when you do go to BuiltBar.com and you order some more, use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your order. That's LOCKEDON20. Get 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com. And make sure you check back to see who won today's matchup, who's going to become the best tasting protein bar. It's all from BuiltBar.com. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to let you hear what Michael Lombardi used to be a member of the Oakland Raiders. He was part of the front office. He's worked with John Gruden multiple times, worked with him in Philadelphia. He's got a piece that he writes on Athletic. He puts it out all the time. He's also got a podcast that he does called the GM Shuffle. He's doing all this kind of different media stuff now. Uh, He's been in front offices for years, and I think we all know that he's like villain number one, one of the many villains of uh, Raider Nation. You know, a lot of people don't like Michael Lombardi in front of in uh, Raider Nation and that's okay and I know someone's right now probably gonna say well why are you gonna play a soundbite from a guy that nobody likes only because and this is the only reason I'm gonna play a soundbite from I normally roll my eyes when I see his name or, or hear his voice or whatever but he brought up a good point and the only reason that I really even want to talk about it is because everything that's been going on the last you know three four years now headed into year four of John Gruden in his return since he's been back in 2018 and of course the Raiders they deconstructed the team. They broke it all down. Traded Khalil Mack. Traded Amari Cooper. Made a lot of moves. Got a lot of created a lot of salary cap space. Got a lot of draft picks. And now you see three years going into year four where they're at and what they've done with it. And just like I, I talked about on Tuesday's podcast or, or Wednesday's podcast, excuse me, that the Raiders have a lot of answers. They have a lot of questions that they need to answer, which is. What direction is this team going? Where are they going now that they, you know, they seem like they keep swinging and missing and they're doing a lot of swinging, which is what you got to do. You can't stop swinging the bat, but they're doing a lot of swinging and missing instead of a lot of swinging and connecting. So, you know, they got a lot of questions that they need to answer and and they're going to have to build everything up this offseason. And look, right now, they have six draft picks to work with, all right? Officially, they have six draft picks to work with. I told you in segment number one, no compensatory picks for the Raiders. And they have a way of getting over even $40 million in cash space. Right now, about $33 million, but they can get that, push that over to a $40 million plus cap space. So that's great to have the assets to get it done, but what are you going to do with it? And, you know, I've talked about it multiple times when I just look at the the five first-round draft picks that the Raiders have had the past couple seasons. You know, in, in 2019, headed into the 2019 draft, they uh, they had three first-round draft picks. They got Cleve Ferrell, they got Josh Jacobs, and they got Jonathan Abram. The only player that we know for a fact that is a, a, a base hit, or I'll even say a double, probably not a home run, but a double, is Josh Jacobs. There's definitely no home runs. And then in uh, 2020, going into that draft, you have two first-round picks, and you get Henry Ruggs, and you get uh, Damon Arnett. 
Damon Arnett couldn't even stay on the field. And Henry Ruggs wasn't, wasn't utilized enough. So there's a lot of questions like, okay, maybe he could be something. And I'm not writing any of these guys off yet. I think Cleve Farrell works really hard. I know Josh Jacobs works really hard, but he can't stay healthy for a full 16, so that's something he's got to work on. But still, two years and two seasons, both over 1,000 yards, that's, that's cool. That's what I want from the running back. I just would like to see a little bit more of the tough running that he did his rookie year that he didn't really quite do. A lot of the, the finishing runs that he had in, in his rookie year didn't really have those that much in, uh, in his second year in the season so or in the league. So, you know, he's still got some stuff to work on, but at least he's the promising one. He's the one that you're like, okay, you can see what the direction that they're going. And look, it's not all just about the first round, but you'd like to see the team hit on more than one out of five first-round draft picks, right? So coming up in this draft, six draft picks as of right now. That could always change. And like I said, I'll, I'll say that they'll be at about $40 million in cap space by the time free agency rolls around next, next week. Right now, about $33 million. So the question is, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, and we've talked about this before on the show where I've said that I feel like Mike Mayock kind of balances out John Gruden. But make no mistake about it, John Gruden, I know he's the head coach, but he's really the GM. And so this is what Michael Lombardi had to say, and this is where one of my questions lies, and how is it going to improve? So here's Michael Lombardi talking about John Gruden, not the coach, but the GM. You're talking about some serious, serious cash that's just flying out the window. At some point, you have to have organizational control over it. And, you know, John's never going to admit that he can't do it. I want, I want, I want. And because he's been successful, because he's got this media perception, nobody r- brings up the point that he's 64 and 82 since the Super Bowl. I mean, if you're 64 and 82 since the Super Bowl, you'd get your ass fired. This is not about hating John Gruden. John Gruden's a really good quarterback coach. He's never going to let the defense really be what they need to be because everything he does is based on the offense. So there's some guys that are really good coaches. They're just not good executives. The executive Gruden is hurting the coach Gruden. So there you go. There's Michael Lombardi. Just a quick 40 seconds on John Gruden, the the GM, the executive, as he liked to call him, the executive John Gruden. He said he's hurting the coach John Gruden. And to a certain extent, he's not wrong. You know, and that's why I brought it to the table. He's not wrong about that. And John Gruden has the end all be all when it comes to power with the Raiders organization. And I'll tell you right now, I'll be the first to admit I wanted John Gruden back as a head coach. And I still think he's going to be a successful head coach. I still think he has an opportunity to be successful. But it's just tough when you are the last last line of defense and you don't have anybody that is you know you have to like checks checks and balances you don't have anyone that that over overlooks your shoulder and says okay this is what we've got to do he is not and it's it's proven if you go back to his drafts that he's done even when he first came back in 2018 look this is only Mike Mayock's third draft that he's had John Gruden's going into his fourth draft if you look at, at the 2018 draft that John Gruden had really Colton Miller was the dude you know, and even that was questioned when he first got him, but clearly it worked out, and that was to benefit the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, what, P.J. Hall in, the, in, in round two, that was a shock and a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, you know, Arden Key in round three, that was, you know, still to be determined. I'm, I'm surprised Arden Key's still on the team. I mean, there's all kind of different guys that were, that were drafted that you kind of look at and say, eh, yeah, probably not the best idea. Then you see guys that are brought in by way of free agency and you see them give them money and well, they're no longer there. Now I will say Trent Brown, I think that was a good acquisition. I think that was a really good acquisition. It just didn't pan out because he wasn't available. I mean, he played in 16 to 32 games. So that's not a bad, a bad free agent pickup. And, and neither is uh, Tyrell Williams. He just was banged up. He just was injured all 2020. He missed the whole season. So that you can't put that on, on GM John Gruden. You could just put that on. Well, that's just really bad luck. But I will say you go and spend a lot of money on LaMarcus Joyner. I said this the other day and you don't play him in the proper position. 
You know what I mean? And, and John Gruden could have came and said, hey, that guy needs to be playing free safety, the position that he excelled at when he was a member of the Rams. But instead, he didn't. He just brought him in, made sure that they got him, and then decided that they were going to put him in the slot. And, well, they watched him, they watched him sink. Instead of, instead of trying to help him swim, they allowed him to sink. So the problem is when you don't have somebody over your shoulder that can check you and tell you, hey, man, this isn't right, and you're just kind of doing your own thing and no bosses to answer to, that's what you kind of do. You get a little squirrely, and sometimes you get a little bit too creative and think, oh, yeah, this is a great idea, and this is a great idea, and it turns out not to be a great idea. You know, it's just if you're doing it once and you do it twice, then all of a sudden you're going to continue to do it, especially when nobody ever checks you and says, hey, this is not right. You got to do things this way. Now, Mike Mayock is a guy that I feel like has the respect of John Gruden and he can bounce ideas off of him. And I'm sure that they probably even argue about things, especially when it comes to the draft. I'm sure, you know, Mike Mayock says, hey, you know, we probably should go in this direction. John, no, we're going to go in this direction. I'm sure that they probably have some some knockdown bangouts. You know, they really do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, John Gruden has the very final say. So some guys are really good at that role. Some guys could be the head coach and the talent evaluator. I know Bill Parcells said back in the day, if you want me to to uh, you know cook the dinner, let me buy the groceries. And I get it. John Gruden's trying to buy the groceries and cook the dinner too. But sometimes you need someone to go to the store and really pick out the ingredients and be like, eh, let me get you this ingredient. What do you need? And let me go pick it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need that guy. And right now, with everything that the Raiders had from trading Khalil Mack, trading Amari Cooper, it does not look like that they're succeeding. So at some point... John Gruden, and I would like him to do it this offseason. I don't know if he's going to. He needs to look in the mirror and figure out how he could be better, what he can do to help benefit the team. Can he give Mike Mayock a little bit more say-so, or is it just not in him, like Michael Lombardi said? Now, everything he said there, I don't necessarily agree with, and that was only 40 seconds. And again, I'll tell you that Michael Lombardi is not a fan of Gruden or, or the Raiders, so I know that. But again, just because you're not a fan of somebody don't mean that you can't have a good point. And he did have a good point. Right now, the GM, John Gruden, is holding back the head coach, John Gruden. I think the head coach can get it done. I really do. The question is, can the GM get it done? When he was in Tampa Bay, I mean, there's evidence. You know, when he was in Tampa Bay and he was taking over control and he was making a lot of the calls, you see it didn't really work out. He, worked, he, 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 he drafted one pro bowler, and that was Aqib Tlaib. That was it. Out of all the guys he's drafted, one pro bowler, Aqib Tlaib. So, I mean, it's, it's not like the track record is there. It's not like he's got a bunch of hits and then all of a sudden he's got a, you know, a few misses and he's on a cold streak. No, he's got a bunch of misses. So who can he get? Can he bring someone in to, to help out? If Mike Mayock's not going to be the guy that, that can get the final say in, can he bring someone else in that, that can help balance out the, the talent evaluation and, and the questions that they have with the talent that they're bringing onto the team? Or, like I said in, in the other day, if you're going to acquire talent, especially by way of free agency, at least use them the correct way. Don't decide that you're going to do something else with it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. The wheel is great for a reason. It works. <laughs> you know what I mean? The wheel don't need to be reinvented. It, it's perfect. You know, but it's like John Gruden wants to come up with a new creative wheel. You don't have to. So that would be my biggest issue right now. And I just want to know if you go from being four and 12 to seven and nine to eight and eight, how do you take that next step if you're not using all your assets to the best of your ability? No GM is going to be 100% and get all the talent right. But something Daniel Jeremiah said on his uh, on his call the other day when I was on that two hour teleconference and I am breaking down that that whole call and I will bring it to the to the show as far as, you know, things that make sense for the Raiders. I'll bring that to the show. But something he said when he was in Baltimore's front office, he said about Ozzie Newsom said, man, by the time the draft comes, the board that they have set up is already set up 
from the guys who's the number one dude that they have on their board to the last dude that they have on their board. And they don't overthink anything. He said what Ozzie Newsom did is he got in there, and as guys were getting drafted, no matter where Baltimore was at on the, in the draft, as guys were getting drafted, they would take some magic markers and say, okay, cancel that guy out. All right, cancel that guy out. Cancel that guy. So say they were picking 17th like the Raiders are this year. And they had 16 lines on the board. Maybe they had the first 12 were taken off. And then, you know, maybe they had, you know, five other or four other ones taken that were 19 through like 23 or whatever. They would go up to the next guy, regardless of who it was, regardless of what position they played, whoever was that 13th best player there, they're taking. Wherever there wasn't a, a line, that's who they would take. He said that they took Terrell Suggs in, uh, in one of their drafts, and he wasn't even a starter. He wasn't even a starter, but they just knew he was going to be a great player, so they took him anyway. He didn't start, but he ended up getting Defensive Rookie of the Year because he came in and he was that dominant when he was in the game. So they just were comfortable with their evaluations, and they just said, hey, you know what? I know that really we need an offensive tackle right here, but the 12th best player on the board is you know, a defensive end, so let's go get that guy. We're going to go get that guy. We'll figure it out later. And I know I say all the time that it's the best player available in position of need, but if you kind of go with what Baltimore did with Ozzie Newsom, it was straight up best player available, no ifs, no ands, and no buts. No questions asked. Whoever the next player available is, the best player available, when I'm picking right now, that's who I'm going to get, and that's what it's going to be. And Baltimore consistently, and I mean consistently, always has really good drafts, and they always find so much value in rounds one, two, three, four, five. It doesn't matter. They find players. They get guys in the seventh round that are contributors to their team. So John Gruden, the GM, has got to figure out a bigger, better plan than what he's been doing since he's been back with the Raiders since 2018. And I know Mark Davis loves him some John Gruden, and I know Mark Davis you know, is going to give him all the power in the world, and I like the continuity. I like the fact that Gruden's not worried about his job, but at some point, if the GM John Gruden can't get it done, the Raiders are going to have to do something else because it's just going to be continuing to spin the wheels and spin the wheels and spin the wheels. And it's like when we had the terrible weather here in the state of Texas and there was a bunch of ice and snow on the ground. I had neighbors across the street that were trying to get out their driveway and they were just just spinning their wheels. I even went across the street to try to push the car a little bit. And what I do? I sunk. It wasn't going nowhere. It's just spinning, spinning, spinning. It was frustrating and it was cold. So right now, the GM John Gruden is making the Raiders organization frustrating and cold because he's not getting it right. He's not using all the assets to the best of his ability. So uh, that's I just thought that that was something that needed to be said, especially leading into the free agent period that's going to start next week uh, with the 15th being the legal tampering period and the 17th being the new league year. And then, of course, leading straight up into the draft on April 29th. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4699. Before I get into that, I uh, got to tell you about betonline.ag. College basketball, full effect, man. It's thriving right now. There's uh, conference uh, tournaments going on, and then there's going to be March Madness right around the corner. Betonline.ag, great spot for that. The NBA, it's back from All-Star break. BetOnline.ag, great spot for that. How about the UFC? How about hockey? How about anything that you want to get your gamble on with? BetOnline.ag has you covered. They are your online sportsbook experts. And uh, if you want to open up a free account today, you can. It's real simple. BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. You put 100 in, you'll have 150 to play with. You put 200 in, you'll have 300 to play with. It's just that simple. No matter how much you put in, 
you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus as long as you use the promo code locked on. So do it now, betonline.ag. If you're on social media, check them out at betonline underscore ag. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Again, betonline.ag. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your time to shine. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to talk about the Trent Brown news, about him being traded to the Patriots, the O-line situation as a whole, and why he's not as worried as other fans are. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on to you, Jordan in Oregon, calling in. Uh, just a couple points I want to bring up. I see a lot of Raider Nation out there and people I've talked to and stuff I've been reading, uh, worried about our O-line situation, Trent Brown, you know, officially gone, and and then with Gabe Jackson and, you know, possibly incognito, sounds like he's going to uh, be maybe sticking around, but uh, people kind of worried, you know, and <clears throat> to be honest, I, I think think a lot of these moves, um, there's not not as much to be worried about as people may think, I mean, the production we got out of Trent Brown, I mean, it was always what he could be. You know, we looked at his potential, but I, I honest to God think he, he – and I may be wrong on this, Q, you, you probably have the exact number, but I think he might have played in, in, in 10 games or something total. And it, it maybe he's a little more than that. But um, last year alone, he was not a part of, of the production of the offense, the Raiders. So you can kind of check him off the list as far as – you know, everybody, oh, we're going to have a big drop-off, Trent Brown's gone. Trent Brown wasn't really available for the Raiders last year, especially. Um, Gabe Jackson, I think that that was a guy that even last year, like you mentioned, Q, there's possibilities of them moving on. Um, I think that's a good call, I, I think, in, in this cap situation. And um, he, he had a, a, a kind of banged-up year the year prior to last year. So I, I think that that was a no-brainer and incognito coming back. I, I guess where I'm going, I'm not extremely worried, uh, as some others are, about the O-line. I think we'll be all right. I think it's time for them to start looking at going younger anyway and, um, you know, and starting to turn the corner on that. But uh, another reason I wanted to call in Q is with free agency around the corner, um, I just wanted to get your take on, you know, maybe some guys that, that could be a good uh, backup to Jacobs or, or alongside Jacobs. I know uh, the Packers running back, is he's going to be a hot commodity. He's officially a free agent. Um, I just wonder how active the Raiders might be uh, offensively on uh, free agency. I really hope they go defense, but just wanted to get your take on maybe a, a backup or, or somebody to compete with Jacobs for a starting role. Wanted to hear what you thought on that, Q. And then uh, another thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up, you mentioned it a while back ago on a previous podcast, but um, I'm starting to lean towards, I, I know this might sound crazy, but I hope the Raiders let uh, Nelly go in free agency, especially if he's not going to come at uh, a price that, that we can work with. And part of that is, is like you said, said a while back, you like, if you, if, What's the best way to get rugs going? Well, they're going to get them going if, if there's not uh, so many bodies that have to, to get targets. 
There he was, Jordan and Oregon right there. Call kind of ran out at the end. But, yeah, I'm with you on the offensive line. I'm not really worried about the O-line either. I'm really not. And I know a lot of folks are like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? You know, when I was on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas on Tuesday, they were like, man, all of a sudden three guys from that O-line could be gone. But, honestly, I really, really don't have a lot of doubt that the O-line is going to be fine. I have questions about everybody else on the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The offense, I think, is going to really, really work out. I think it'll be fine. I think there'll be a couple pieces added to it. But the defense is what I'm really – really struggling with. I, I don't know where they're going to, you know, or how they're going to improve it. Uh, as far as running back and free agency, I don't think that that's really the best way to go. I think they should go ahead and just draft a running back instead. Uh, they don't have to get a guy early. They can get a guy a little bit later and still have a really good player that could compliment Josh Jacobs. But we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, you mentioned Nelly real quick. It'd be nice if the Raiders could keep him, but you got to have him at the right price. You cannot overpay him. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, got a text from the new Jay Wash. He said, could Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame play the Derwin James role in the new defense under Gus Bradley? That's uh, from the new Jay Wash. And I think that Derwin James, I mean, I think that, I think that uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa could play a lot of different things. And I know that he's a slightly a little bit undersized, and a lot of people, that's what their concern is with him. I just think he could do a lot of different things on that side of the ball. And I think with Gus Bradley being a lot better defensive coordinator in my mind than Paul Gunther is, I think he could really get the best out of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. But that's just me. Uh, actually, on my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas, we had uh, Russell Brown on the show. He's the NFL draft scout for CoverOne.net. And I actually asked him to compare and contrast all the three linebackers that probably could go in the first round from uh, Micah Parsons to Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and also Zayvon Collins. And here was his thoughts on those three linebackers. They're, they're really all different. They truthfully are. Parsons is one of those guys, again, like I said, could rush the passer, natural pass rusher, was an edge rusher coming out of high school. Um, but really, when you watch 2019 tape, he was in on every single play, whether it was pass coverage, whether it was in the box, stacking and shedding, scraping over the top. Just really the complete package. The only thing that holds him back is there has been some question marks and red flags as far as maybe character concerns from across the league. I don't necessarily know exactly how truthful you know everything is on that because you hear one thing and, and sometimes it's a different thing. But right. outside of that, I, I like Jeremiah Owusa. I mean, uh, he is fantastic as well. He's a top 15 player for me. Um, the only downside to him is he was playing at 216 pounds. Can that translate to the NFL? And, yeah, certainly he could add maybe 10 pounds of muscle with, within time. Some people might view him as a safety because of just how athletic he is, but he is a rangy defender. He gets after it. He's aggressive, and he's, he's explosive. I mean, he truthfully is explosive, and he, he's a fun player to watch. I think he would be a fine fit at 10 if Parsons was gone. And then Zayvon Collins, I, I love what I've seen from Zayvon Collins. Maybe one of the more underrated players, despite some people giving him a lot of buzz during the season when he had the, you know, the pick six for the touchdown and all that. Everybody was talking about him, but it kind of died off a little bit. And I think people forget that this guy at 6'5", 6'4", you know, 260, is able to not only just be a stand-up ad rusher for a team if they need it, he can play in the box. He is very rangy, very athletic. And I love how just the football IQ pops. He can, again, drop into coverage, and he shows what he can do in the box. I think that I would rank it in that order how I gave it, but I still like Collins quite a bit. I think he is a first-round pick. I think teams like Cleveland, potentially Pittsburgh, would be home-run threats 
uh, to, to get him. So there was Russell Brown right there, NFL draft scout from CoverOne.net. He was a guest on my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas on Wednesday, and that was him just comparing and contrasting the three main linebackers. When you talk about Micah Parsons, you talk about Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa, and of course Zayvon Collins, which is a favorite of a lot of Raider Nation, and clearly uh, Russell was a big fan of Zayvon Collins as well, so I mean that's another guy that could be a major major player. Uh, next up is a text from Raider Tone in the 661. He's calling to talk about a piece that Michael Lombardi wrote, then talked about with on the Pat McAfee show. Basically, he's talking about some of the stuff I talked about and you heard in segment number two. Here he is, Raider Tone in the 661. What's up, Q? It's Raider Tone here in the 661 calling in on my intake, and I just got some serious, serious concerns, man. I just read an article and listened to one also uh, off the, uh, the Pat McAfee show with Michael Lombardi that worked with John Gruden in Philadelphia and, and in uh, Oakland. And his words, and I quote, John is not a good guy to work for, sometimes unbearable and ununderstanding, said he's impatient, he falls in love, not in love, too quick, with personnel. Said he's not a personnel guy, just flat out. Said he's a great coach, great offensive coordinator, but he's not a good personnel guy. He has way too much power. In Oakland, and he and, and he knew this would happen when he seen how much power in the contract that uh, Mark Davis gave him. He said he knows John. He's not a personnel guy. You know, he want who he want, regardless of fit, and, 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 and that's what it is. And he he get him in a lot of cap trouble because he throw massive contract to guys that he loves, and he fall out of love with him. He's cutting him in a year or two. Man, this is true with Trent Brown, Terrell Williams. LaMarcus Joyner, all these guys got massive contracts that wasn't seen. That's not there no more. This is absurd, man. I mean, we constantly constantly throw car name up in there, constantly circulate car name. Is it time for him to go? Is it time for him to go? When we're going to start putting the blame on Gruden? When we're going to put Gruden under the microscope here and look at this, hey, man, if you're going to free up some of this power in his range, you haven't been making good draft decisions, and you ain't been making good free agent acquisitions. What's going on here, man? What's going on here? Got big concerns, man. Just win, baby. Ready to tone out. There he goes, Raider Tone in the 661. Appreciate the call, my man. And look, I'll say, Lombardi has some points. Just like I said in segment number two, he definitely has some good points. Now, again, he's Raider hater number one, so I'll throw that out there. But the guys that he threw out there as examples, I wouldn't necessarily use those guys as examples. I mean, Trent Brown, that was a good pick. It really was. If he was available and actually played in all 32 games, he would have been a great pickup by the Raiders, and it would have been a great use of money. The problem is Trent Brown wasn't available. It wasn't that John Gruden made a bad pick on personnel. It was Trent Brown wasn't available. Tyrell Williams, same thing. He missed all of 2020. Now, like I mentioned in segment two, LaMarcus Joyner was played out of position. That's on John Gruden. He could have said, like, hey, that's not the guy that we were looking at. That's not the reason we brought him in. We saw a guy that was a free safety that was a dog. Let's put him at that position. He didn't do that. So two out of three guys, it was availability. The other guy, refusal to play in the correct position. That you can put on Gruden 100%. But like I said in segment two, Gruden's got to do some soul searching. He's got to figure it out and how he can be better. And if he's not a personnel guy, which he's not, Lombardi's not wrong about that. He's not a personnel guy. I mean, and history shows that. He's got to figure out how he can get the most out of the assets that he has. Right now, again, has six draft picks on the record right now, six draft picks, and probably will have about $40 million in cap space at least that he can use. How are they going to get the most out of the assets that they have to build this team up? That's the biggest question moving forward. But we will see. 
You know, I mean, he could he can turn things around, but I say it all the time. Tigers don't change their stripes. So we'll see exactly what happens. But thank you so much for that call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And I understand where you're coming from. Uh, next up, and there will be the final text for the show, Derek in New York. He said, hey, Q, Derek from New York. I wanted to talk about fake fans in the media. I've got a couple of acquaintances, and I socialize with them because, as you can imagine, Raider fans are scarce in New York. More prevalent, you'd think, though, Raider Nation. Anyway, beware of the fake fan. That guy that's a fan but doesn't really follow the team, these are the guys I'll get into conversations about, and they're basically regurgitating clickbait to me. For example, oh my God, why are we sticking with Carr? We need any other quarterback. I'll entertain the conversation and stick up for Carr, and as the conversation continues, I hear something like, the last good quarterback we had was Bo Jackson, shaking my damn head. This is the problem with social media. People really have no clue, but it's so easy to regurgitate what the media says without knowing squat. Anyway, that's my point. I just wanted to bring up how much of that is out there. That's from Derek in New York. And yeah, I know there's a lot of that out there. And, you know, that is a a problem with social media is that it makes anyone think that they have an idea of what's going on when they really don't. But I I, I do like to think that Raider Nation, and you always can tell who's a real Raider fan and and who's just someone who just kind of jumped on yesterday. Raider Nation, they know their stuff. That's the one thing, and that's why I love hosting this show is because – Raider Nation knows their stuff. Not only do they know their stuff, but they're very, very passionate about their team. You know what I mean? And so, and that's how I got into it, is being very passionate about my team. I got involved in it, and I got excited, and I knew a lot of stuff, and I could call people out that didn't have any idea what they were talking about. And even to this day, I'll hear a broadcast, and somebody will say something. I'm like, that's 100% false. <laughs> you know, that's 100% false. Matter of fact, uh, I, there was, I forget who it was. Oh, Matt Verderam, who I respect. He's from Fansided. And I know he covers the Chiefs like a glove, but the other day when Trent Brown got traded, he put out some kind of statement about uh, Derek Carr. That's what it was. It was a tweet about, oh, what a bad day for Derek Carr. He loses three, three-fifths of his offensive line. And so I quote tweeted him. I was like, well, let's not forget, Derek Carr didn't have two of those guys for most of the year anyway. And he did just fine. And... He never responded. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's like there's always someone who wants to go ahead and try to pile on and be that guy and, and talk a little bit and, and add a little bit of, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess get a little bit of street cred or whatever. I don't know. Just talk bad about the Raiders because they're the cool team to talk trash about. And you get like, I don't know, you maybe you get some extra brownie points for it. But you're right. Everybody doesn't know what they're talking about. Everyone's not a fan of the team and everyone's not very knowledgeable of the team. So at times you have to you know, you have to put them in their place. So that's what we try to do. And that's what I try to do around here. And, you know, again, that doesn't mean that I'm going to look through silver and black glasses and just stick up for the team 100% of the time. If something's a problem, just like I said in segment number two, then I'll call it out. It's a problem. And that's what will probably stop me from ever working really close with the team because they're not going to want someone to be as honest as me. And, you know, again, I've said it before that I have a conversation that I learned or I I found out some information when I went to California with the wife over the past weekend that I will talk about at some point on the show. And I don't know when, but there'll be some show where I just tell you everything that I heard from someone who used to work for the Raiders. And it was very fascinating to me. And it kind of ties in with what I was talking about Uh, what, a week ago last Wednesday when I was talking about controlling the narrative and saying what the team wants to be said and and how I'm not that guy. Anyway, that conversation will come up at some point on this show, but it won't be today because I'm running out of time. Matter of fact, I'm done with my time on today's show. Still got calls from uh, Raider Dot out of the 510, Raider Frodo, and uh, others as well. Got text messages as well. We'll get to that on Friday's show. Uh, We'll finish off the week really strong. Try to get to some Daniel Jeremiah clips talking about the NFL draft. We'll try to get that on tomorrow's show maybe i'll have that for monday but either way man we'll have news and notes of the day as we always do and we'll have a lot of good stuff to get to so uh, until then raider nation
Nation, have a great day. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow finishing off the week really, really strong. Take care of yourself. Wear your mask. I know the state of Texas is wide open like some old-school TV antennas right now. I know you don't technically have to, but just go ahead and do it. <laughs> just go ahead and do it until it's like really, really, until you're sure that it's really, really safe. But take care of the fam. Wash your wash your hands, social distance, you know, wear your mask if you if you feel the need to do it and all that good stuff. And most importantly, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.